Turn the camera on. I'm Billie Jean Davy, and I want to set the record straight. You can keep your money. Go buy somebody else. This bloody I'm Logan. And these two guys are making me, Spencer, watch movies. I watch about, I've watched about 4,000 movies in my life a little bit over at this point. And Ryan and Logan found out there's a bunch of classics for, or quote unquote classics from the <laughs> 80s that I had not seen. So they're putting me through the ringer. About every two weeks, we're going to watch one movie that they pick out of the hat at the end of an episode that I have to watch, and then we get together and talk about it. The trick is, I have five veto cards. Basically, they're postponements. So if they pull out a movie, I'm like, good God, I am not ready to finally watch Dirty Dancing. I can tell them they have to watch one of my frou-frou art house French films from like the 40s and then we'll talk, come back and talk about that um, but so right now it's only our second episode of talking about a movie and this week we're talking about The Legend of Billie Jean. We've all watched it it's available to rent on Amazon VOD and I think a couple other VOD platforms and honestly I've seen it at like my books a million two dollar DVD bin so it's out there to find if you want to watch it and come back. Um, last time we did St. Elmo's Fire if you want to check that out that conversation didn't go so hot and so now we're going to talk about the legend of billy jean take it away guys why did you make me watch the legend of billy jean um uh, i guess i picked it but you can go first logan if you want to uh, it's one of my favorite 80s films of all time i mean i'm still in love with helen slater to this day um this movie's probably responsible for my fascination of women with short hair <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I mean, I was going to say the exact same thing. Um, um, Helen Slater is magnificent. I, I mean, I've always cool. loved her, but this was probably the movie where I was like, oh, I'm desperately in love with this woman. Um, this, Supergirl, uh, Secret of My Success, uh, so many other movies in the 80s. Supergirl is terrible, and nobody should ever watch it, but she's so good. I watched Supergirl at a time when I was watching like all the crappy superhero movies that existed. So I was watching like the Surfer Dude Captain America movie and Supergirl, and I was just the right age to be like, "This is great." But then I never watched them again because I, at some point, realized maybe they weren't, and I don't need to go back. And I didn't. Yeah, you don't need to go back. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's pretty Supergirl's bad. Pretty bad. Um, but it, it sounds uh horrible to be like to say all of that when this movie is really about not being that kind of person. <laughs> right. Um, and I, I totally, yeah, you, you were, we were what all of like 12 or 13 probably when we saw this movie, even though it came out in 84, we probably saw it around the, well, we were probably about 10 or 11. And then however many times after that. 
you know, it's TBS and everything. The trick is, were you guys like, ooh, Helen Slater the whole time, or were you also like, all right, right on, Billy Jean, radical, or whatever you no. said, like, at that time? Yeah, absolutely that. See, yeah, that's, the, that's like, the key. So you can be in love with her and also be, like, radical, and that, like, sort of, like, works itself out. Well, I don't think, as a young person or kid, when I watched it, I ever really... I understood, like, the teen rebellion stuff. That was right. great. But not the woman side of the teen rebellion stuff. Um, this movie would be, like, fantastic if it got remade and the script got a major doctor up. Um, I think today it probably is more relevant today than it was then. <laughs> I think, so I'm going to play my cards now and tell you that I really, really love this movie. <laughs> Like, really love this movie. The first couple minutes, I was like, oh, okay, they're making me watch this so I can understand how they hit puberty. And I respect that because she's amazing. Um, but then, like, within 10 minutes, I was like, this is not what I thought it would be. And then it kept not being what I thought it was going to be. And I just loved it more and more the more we went into it. Um, I thought it was relevant in all the ways that I thought St. Elmo's Fire was relevant, except in a way that I enjoyed spending time with it. <laughs> like, <laughs> like where I thought those people were the birth of the people who were running the country today. I thought this is the birth of the people who were going to like may potentially save this country for tomorrow. And like, I just, I wish to God I had seen this as a little kid because Billie Jean would have been my hero and I would have loved it. It would have been like one of those movies like the Goonies that I watched all the time if i had yeah. just seen it i'm so pissed off that i'm almost 32 and i'm finally seeing it this whole podcast is validated just from having watched this movie that that That's makes awesome. me happy. <laughs> um i i've always always adored this movie and like ryan was saying i don't think until i was maybe in my 20s i fully grasped the message that it's trying to deliver um, but I was very much on board for the like, uh, damn the man, you know, down with the yeah, the teenage angst and rebellion yeah, side of it. I was, you know, always on board with that. Um, but you never realized the media side of it. Like, there's not a a ton of it in this. But and I oh hate my to bring god, up natural born killers because there is a ton of it in that, and I know, but. What is in this is just, I mean, so like I said, on. it's like it's relevant today. Oh, I yeah, mean, it's it's that's the thing. So that's what I liked about this a lot is that like Natural Born Killers, like the whole like thesis of that movie is like the media and stuff like that and how it affects like works with those characters. But like that's just one element. And there's so many little elements. And it's so it's subversive because as a eight or nine year old, I would be like, this is awesome. Yeah, we don't get treated right. I didn't do anything wrong. And you're saying we did everything wrong. And like you can feel that. But the older you get, the more levels you would get. So I could see like Spencer at eight or nine loving one version of this movie. And then at 10 or 11, loving a little more of it and as you get older into adulthood finding the whole picture of the movie because there's so much going on but it's also like incredibly entertaining so you can have that but it's not like pretentious boringness it's like there's so much going on in this like teen movie but it's great and it's and it's so fun to sort of find those layers i like again i think the only negative i really have is how sad i am that i could have all of that on my first watch. Like I wish I'd seen it years and years ago. 
that that just that makes me so happy um you're you're absolutely right though like as a as a kid as a, a preteen or whatever i didn't get uh the cops like kind of whole deal like i didn't really understand like it was he on her side was he not on her side like why didn't he just do something else you know like because he just seemed to be content to like kind of stand by and just let things play out but really like once um uh what's his name from quantum leap comes into it the the dean stockwell yeah dean stockwell <laughs> like his hands get kind of tied but not really only because he he doesn't well, want he to shows you glimpses of his his good cop where he's not no, just absolutely him. but he never goes over to fully to her side or, or fully stands up for her because he's not going to hamstring his well he's not going to hamstring his career if he crosses this dude then all he'll ever be is just this cop. He's still um, going to be, he's still is stuck in this rut of, not rut, but the stuck in this position of being the responsible adult, quote unquote. Right. So there's, so he's like, I'm, guilt, I'm sorry. No, no, no. He's like, I've got the, he's, I really, Peter Coyote is great. Like he's totally like, he, this is an ET now. Like, God, I wish I'd seen this movie when I was little. Um, <laughs> but like, he's such like a great, good soul cop, but a cop is still a cop. And that's, and that's part of, what I think they're playing around with is like, yes, there's authority and there's a good version of that, but it's still authority, you know? And, and I like that they do that, but it, but she's, she never goes after him as a bad guy. There's never like this moment of like, she's screaming, if you're a fraud, you say this, but you don't like, no, it's complicated. And she, even she gets that it's complicated. That's really cool to me. Like it's, it's a little thing, but that's, this movie has all those little things, even like the son who's like the asshole son, how he sort of at the end like steps away from his dad. It's like he gets it. He gets what his dad has done at the very end. And it's just this little little details of every single dynamic that are so good. Yeah, I, I'm I, super high on this movie. <laughs> that doesn't give me cool. anything to argue about. Um, so, I so, didn't like the 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 boyfriend guy. He's the main part of this movie that bothers me. He, I guess it's the way everything happened so fast. Yeah. he. I mean, honestly, would you not have fallen in love with her like that quickly, though? Oh, yeah. But, I mean, my <laughs> thought is, like, how did she just, like, fall for this guy? But, I mean, I guess at the time when she's looking for something to embrace her, I can see how she could. Because he, everybody's against her. It, You know, except for her, you know, brother and her two girlfriends. I felt like he is like that character from Hellboy One, who's sort of our cipher. Like they all go to like the the BPRD and like, but we're we're basically the pasty white guy who doesn't know anything. Yeah. <laughs> and and so like this, he is kind of like that. He's the one character because everyone's so weirdly specific in this movie, which is again usually there are all these tropes, but like. They're not Billy Jean's not a trope. Maybe she creates one. I don't know. I've got now I'm like thinking of like the cultural relevance of this movie, but but she maybe she could create a trope, but she's not one. Christian Slater's so specifically like spastic and like and is it's a scooter and it's a, it's a red scooter and it's not none of them are tropes and he's 
he's like the one cipher character that brings us in. So if you're not in with them yet, I feel like he would bring you in. So I agree yeah. that he's a little vague. It's a little quick that they really, that they fall for each other. But I think he is the door for anybody watching the movie who hasn't quite bought in to kind of join up. He, he's the audience teaming up with Billie Jean, in my opinion. And he also winds up being a little bit of the, like the, comic relief along with christian slater because he's just such a a goof and once he's like fully involved i I didn't mind him but it's the introduction is really weird Uh, he's i thought it was really a creepy old man in the house watching all of them (laughs) for for a good minute or two before he like takes off the mask whatever it's like there's some creepy hairy old dude just watching them this is weird and yeah i guess i can dismiss how friendly (laughs) she is to him right at the jump just by her being that she comes off very friendly to almost everybody in this movie mm-hmm. um even when she's trying to be bad so m- maybe maybe that's part of my problem because she's just she's scared but she's not like angry scared you know she's more like runaway scared and i i don't know it was really weird but she is like i said really sweet so Maybe that's why she was so liking to him early on. I have this thing about people being earnest in movies, like performances and characters that are earnest. So while mate, like, like I think that like a good example of a bad version of like Hallmark movies that are overly sincere and overly earnest and it feels really fake. Um, I liked though, how um, Helen Slater and, and their whole little crew um, is, they all seem very, very earnest earnest in and who their characters are like they don't play like there's this whole idea that like you know they, they live in the trailer and there's like the stereotype of them being like trailer trash and whatever else and like they don't it's never played for that it's always played for like we're earnest people who have real strong feelings and we have friendships and it's it's a very earnest movie and i didn't expect that and it's something that like Honestly, since I saw this, I've been thinking a lot about the Goonies. Like, I really want to rewatch the Goonies because I'm liking that movie less. Like, I wish this had been my Goonies growing up. And and because it's so earnest. They're all so earnest. And I and I like that a lot. Because even the assholes, they really mean what they're feeling. And 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 I I, I like that they're all just sort of wearing their feelings on their sleeves and sort of playing with that melodrama in a in a sincere way. And these a wild, extraordinary situation. I said wild, very country just then, but but very wild like uh, circumstances, and I just like I don't know, man. It was playing all the right keys, but I have to ask you guys. So, um, did the did the trailer park thing? Because I thought about you like growing up and stuff. Did that mean more to you as a kid? Did that mean something to you guys? Uh, I think it was kind of like a like a connective tissue, like um. Uh, God, now I'm drawing a blank on the movie. Um, where the kid plays the video game and winds up going out. Wizard, of- the wizard. No, no, Last Starfighter. Last Starfighter. Oh yeah. Like yeah, yeah. he lived in a trailer park too. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's that kind of like connective tissue of like, hey, I live in a trailer park. You know. <laughs> did, did the eighties have? Is the eighties like a lot of? It just it feels like there's a lot of like trailer park and poor kid movies in the eighties. Am I uh, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I yeah, guess technically yeah. we didn't live in a trailer park except on the weekends, but it kind yeah, of we also like lived in a neighborhood. Tra- <laughs> yeah, we lived in a pretty high middle class neighborhood as well. 
<laughs> you're part part time trailer park kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So you're saving the world just on the weekends. That's all it was. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, there's our there's our show. There's our movie. <laughs> part time part time heroes. When you go to the trailer park, you become the hero. Um, I was just curious about that. I thought about you guys growing up and st- around a trailer park, and I wondered if that was like because I personally I was the type of kid like I had a single mom. So if like a single mom like the kids in ET, like I loved them because I had a single mom. Like all that stuff meant something more to me. It added layers to it, and so I was curious if that was similar for you guys. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I I love this the one very brief scene with her mom where she's she's like heading out to go on that date. And mm-hmm. That reminded like, me Billie of my Jean's kind of, yeah. Billy Jean's kind of like giving her this little pep talk that's like weird and wrong on so many other levels, but also completely genuine and sweet. And it's just, it's so, I mean, you, you said Ernest like 20 times, but you're right. That's what it is. You know, like nothing feels fake, even the stupid, goofy stuff. That while I'm rewatching it, just going like, oh my God, these kids are just so like country. But like I knew those kids. I mean, we didn't grow up in Corpus Christi, Texas, but like I did know those kids. We did know some twangy talking people. Did did this did this movie not feel like it took place in real America to you? Oh yeah. Um well that's funny you said that because um I don't know. I had a whole list of stuff that I read about it. Keep talking. So, so <laughs> I was thinking specifically a movie that's you know I've talked about before a lot with you two. I don't even just all over the place on different podcasts. But Terminator Two was a huge movie for me growing up. Blah blah blah. Um, but there's this whole element in the, the first act with Ed, Edward Furlong living in like the L.A. suburbs, and there's like the L.A. River famous chase with the truck and the whole thing, and like. That never that always felt like a foreign land to me because it is so specifically L.A. and different. And besides, if they had not said Corpus Christi like a bunch of times and I didn't know that was Texas, that could have been anywhere. It, it just it just felt like back like back of Phoenix uh, City. Somewhere. I would have thought it was like Geneva County, Alabama. I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it really feels <laughs> like it's like just down the road. And and I like that feel so much. It's not that they're I don't think they painted some beautiful, brilliant, realistic picture of Corpus Christi. I just feel like they made this portrait of America. Like here's America with shopping malls and um, and shopping strips. And it just feels real and lived in. And and I like that a lot, too, because it made the adventure of, that these kids are on feel like. I could go on it, and and I feel like um, that's something that kids movies like Goonies. Goonies is such a picturesque like area and locale. Like I ne- I knew I'd never ever go on that adventure because I lived in Columbus, Georgia, or Greenville, South Carolina. Didn't look like that place. Have, watching this, I'm like I I grew up around this whatever this is. I grew up on it around it, and it felt like something me and my friends could have could have happened to us. Minus the crazy plot stuff, but it just the locations felt real, and I like that a lot too. Um, the whole film was shot on existing practical locations, so like none of it was studio stuff. So that is that probably definitely helps with the feel of or the realness of the movie. I, I just feel like it's it's more honest to kids too, because I think kids think about. 
I guess I don't know. I, y'all can speak to this, but my age, I watched a lot of Nick Nickelodeon like TV shows in the '90s. And you think about especially things like Clarissa Explains It All or TGIF shows might be a better, more universal example, how perfect those lives look. And I don't think I ever was in a house. And I had some rich friends and I had a lot of poor friends. I was an apartment kid. And like, I don't think I ever was in a house that looked anything close to like the Family Matters house ever. And I think now like, like this is the better way to do kids entertainment. Put it in. Put it in what is the world. Not that you have to get down into like the cracked ends of places, but like just it just felt real. Like I love the mall. Everything just felt real. I loved it. Uh, the, I would I would agree with I do agree with all of that except for the one scene where she's in like the city and she goes down into I, I don't even know what it is. But, oh, like the uh, the warehouse kind of thing. Yes, it's, it, that feels so Ninja Turtles. <laughs> like, yes, yes. Just, is she going to get the Ninja Turtles? Where's Sam Rockwell? Yeah, it feels. But so we did have weird. places like that. It wasn't that, you know, it wasn't that big city type place. But we had hung out in like sewer pipes and all kinds of stupid crap like that. It yeah, reminded little me of forts this place in the woods and stuff. It reminded me of this place in Columbus. I think it was called The Core. It was like the emo place that was still run by a church. Um, but they reminded me of like that, except in a warehouse. And nobody was doing anything except sitting around waiting for Billy Jean. <laughs> no, I'll give you that one. That one I will give you. That that yeah, felt yeah, like. Yeah, it is a little corny. <laughs> it, felt, it just felt so out of place. Like like you said, it was about to become a superhero movie. Like, is this now their secret base? What's going on? Nine-year-old uh, me would have been pumping my fist at that scene. Oh, as a kid, I loved it. I was just like, yes, she's inspiring the whole world. Yeah, that's part of the <laughs> a charm of it for the kids. But um, uh, another thing I wanted to ask y'all is about the PG-13 rating. Because, like, that would not get a PG-13. It was originally rated R, right? Yeah, it got, like, they they granted it a PG-13 rating. Yeah, Really? But, Even because of the language? Yeah, yeah that's... That's all, just because of the language. That's crazy. So there's a movie that came out uh, just this past year um, called Eighth Grade, which is about an eighth grade girl and just sort of I like. Yeah, I wanted to watch that. And what I've heard is, if you're the parent of a middle school age daughter, it's like a, the biggest nightmare you could possibly watch. Oh um, God, then I, yeah, I don't it, need to watch. That. It's emotionally difficult. Like it, it's it's very good, very good movie, very funny. Um, I think it has a great. I, I think it's worthwhile. But point being, it got an R rating because some of the kids swear, and that's it. Like there's no nudity, there's no violence. It's just some of the kids swear. So I think it's pretty cool to hear about this that had an R rating and it was able to keep. Because I think it's more accurate to the language of that age group. I remember being, you know, 15 and 16. God forbid, 17. And you know what I mean? Like we said whatever the hell we wanted to say. Yeah, 14 and 13 and 14. We were in the woods cussing each other out. Yeah, the second you learn the second you learned that you had a friend who knew what the words too, you just like sneak in the words just to say them, yeah. and like and, and so like I I think that's that's really cool because we can't we literally can't get away with that today. Are we like the worst country about that? I don't know. I, I there's got to be other countries that are high on yeah. censorship stuff, but we are we are probably the wor- the most hypocritical country about it. Yeah. I I think so too. It it it's a little ridiculous how 
and I it's it's funny because it's not just like the MPAA, but like literal adults that I talk to, I'm like, you think your kids don't swear? Or they'll they'll ask questions about movies like, is there a lot of swearing in it? I'm like, do you think they don't hear this stuff at school? Because you're wrong. Yeah. Yep. So I, like, I understand <laughs> to a degree the nudity thing. Like, okay, I mean, yeah, you don't want your kid watching something when they're eight or nine with a, a three or four sex scenes or any sex scenes. That's fine. But you don't think that's what I have a problem with is the sex scenes. If it's just like nudity, it, it doesn't bother me that much. Yeah. I, I think it's like con- context is king. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It actually bothers me more when they allude to something than like because the, kid, the kid's imagination is a thousand times worse than the reality. <laughs> yeah. And, and if they don't know, then there's always the question. Like, yeah. don't allude to it. If you're going to allude to it, you might as well show it. Because I'm going to have to answer a question anyway. So, just don't even allude to it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I didn't. I told Logan, uh, they watch a movie in this movie. Called, sorry, let me turn Alexa off. She's telling me I need to take my pill. Um, <laughs> they watch a movie in this movie called St. John. And uh, so, I watched it thinking... You know, like, maybe it's a really good movie, important movie about Joan of Arc. Like, but honestly, I think just the three of us could have put on a better performance of Joan of Arc in whatever script. We could have wrote the script, too. Um, But it it was like a high school performance on film. I mean, it's pretty bad. (laughs) I like, I thought it did a great job of making the point it needed to make to Billie Jean. Um, and yeah, that's the only point. I guess I was thinking, you, you think they got that movie for like free because it's from like the 30s or 40s? It's or from the 50s, it's from 1957, but it, no, I mean, oh, okay, no, it's, I mean, it's a pretty famous movie. And, um, have you ever I, seen it? No, I've not seen it. I just know it's of it. I've, I've read terrible, of it. <laughs> See, it's one of those things I probably watch and really like, uh, in all honesty. Um, but. Um, no, I, I think that what they did is they picked a, because it, it's Otto Priminger made it, and he's quite famous, and especially in the 80s, he would have been more well-known than he is today, and I think that they picked a, the most classic version of this story that had English language in it, um, because the other one is The Passion of Joan of Arc, which is, right. uh, it, it, and anyway, so I, I think that they picked, it's the easiest way to tell this story because it is so emotive, and it's more about the straightforward words and the 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 very emotive performance and a teenage you know teenager not even a teenage girl but a teenager going through this upheaval um would be reached by it the same way that like i was reached by garden state as a 15 year old (laughs) or whatever age i was well uh uh, the guy that wrote the original script his name is walter bernstein Mm -hmm. um i don't know I mean, I don't really know anything that he's ever done, but you probably do. Um, he was blackballed in like the forties. See a dirty so, commie. Yeah. Um. Actually, yeah, he was part of the communist party at some somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, maybe that was in his originals. He got no credit after all the rewrites. So maybe that was in the original script or something. Maybe. He, Maybe he had a connection to that. He's in Annie Hall. 
Is well, he? I mean, I don't really know he's, the guy. He's her date at the theater. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's funny. <laughs> um, I think they even make a point of it. Or either that or I read something about it. You know, um, I, I know don't... something's got to give. He He did some work on that. But. I mean, that's famous because of Monroe never got to finish the movie. Now my goal is to watch St. Joan very soon. Um, yeah, he uh, he's I mean, he he wrote a lot of good stuff, man. I mean, he wrote uh, uncredited like he uh, Magnificent Seven, I, I think was his. Yeah, that's the other uh, thing I recognized was that failsafe, which if you've never seen either version of failsafe, um uh, that might be extremely extremely relevant considering who our current president is. Um, so yeah, uh, there was a TV version with like George Clooney and a bunch of other people that came on uh, in like the last ten or fifteen years, and then there's like the original '64 version. Uh, really, really troubling stuff. Um, yeah, he's a he's a solid writer. It's a shame he didn't get. A, Credit for the things he actually did do. So, well, very cool. Anyway, I just sidetracked it because I the hell watching Bernstein was. Yeah, I knew that one of y'all would know who he is. So I'm looked at it like I'm gonna feel stupid whenever I tell <laughs> this guy's name, and they're like, "You don't know who that is." No, I mean the name didn't mean anything to me, and I've probably seen Annie Hall a dozen times. So that's funny to me that I didn't like. I don't know what you're talking about, Logan. Um. And but no, so don't feel bad. But it's just a learning moment. That's what this podcast is for. We get to learn, mostly me, and so because uh, I get to learn about these movies that you guys knew about for decades that were holding out on me. Just kidding. If, if I had spent the last six years telling you to watch this movie, there's still no way. I, I don't think, short of this podcast, I, I could I have ever convinced you would have been too much, and then you wouldn't have watched. Then you wouldn't have liked it as much. That's right. probably true. Told you all the time. You watch it, you're like, <laughs> I would I have defiantly been like, it. "Screw yeah. you!" <laughs> like um, you looked into the movie and been like, I, "I see the poster. I'm not watching this. It looks like '80s cheesecake, like bullshit nonsense." I whatever. told you what I thought it was like, right? What I thought it was about, based on the yeah, poster like for like derby, yeah, or like rollerball, like something like <laughs> yeah, futuristic, cool. <laughs> and instead uh, it was from the to, 80s and cool there used to be a rollerball movie that i was i loved it had Corey Haim in it it, it was terrible too yeah, it's pretty bad something is it solar babies no it was roller boys or something like that oh yeah yeah legend no something of the ro- prayer for the roller boys yeah it's yeah. freaking terrible <laughs> yeah it's pretty bad should never watch that um it it is Kind of interesting that you enjoyed it so much because a Pat Benatar, uh, I can't talk. Pat Benatar when she does Invincible in concert, she hates this movie. <laughs> she says it's from the worst movie ever made, which breaks my heart because I love that song uh-huh. and it's such a good like anthem for this movie. And while I do understand people watching it going like this is cheesy as fuck. I, I don't think the movie's bad. It's it is earnest true. as shit. <laughs> but I, I saying it's bad or the worst movie ever made it, that just breaks my heart. And also, I don't think it got a single positive review <laughs> anywhere, ever. 
They're wrong. <laughs> They're all I, wrong. I agree. I, I love this movie. I loved it as a kid for different reasons that I love it now. Now I watch it and just go like, how have we not, not, not only have we not changed, like we've gotten worse. Like most of society. We're just a bunch of proper assholes. <laughs> well, most of society, well, I don't want to say most, a good portion of society has embraced that dude's way of thinking. Like, you know, he did something wrong and then blames her for when thing you know when things go sideways and then profits off of all of it yeah and it, it's just it, oh it's maddening man so you and, mean like our president who did something wrong and then became president after he yeah paid off the porn star yeah and to end it all like what happens to him he loses his his little roadside stand, like it goes up in flames, and all the merchandise. His whole store, all or, the outside stuff was just like an extension of his store. <laughs> even if it's his whole store, he loses his store. That that's what he loses. He loses his son. He, that's I think that's important because I think yeah, that, I think that's. I think it's a very quiet piece of this. Is that what he loses when his son walks away? is the generational one-to-one-to-one breaks. That chain breaks here. God, they should have had that song. Anyway, um, like they, but yeah, I think that there's this really, they don't, like it's pointed out that he's pissed off at his dad, but I think what's not really focused in on is like the chain is broken in that moment. And like, he's like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to be like about all this nastiness. And he walks away. And this is the guy who sort of, he, I mean, he kicked off all of the drama by being king asshole of the teenagers. And, and at the end he's like, no, I don't, I don't want to end up like my dad. And he walks away. I think that is a bigger loss than his store. Um, but also more important to the whole movie. I think this movie's fucking deep. It's really weird how deep I think this movie is. <laughs> I, I'm I I love it. I love that you love it that much. Did you so. notice that? So like at the beginning, she shows up and she's wearing like nothing. And like there's even like a scene like when she gets on the bike, it's straight up. I was like, did they just like flash her panties at us? And I get now that it's like a bathing suit, but still, like she's very hypersexualized at the beginning of the movie. And then like the more you go on, the less of that there is, and the more of her putting on what makes her feel good about herself becomes a part of it. And so it's like not. It's I, I love the celebration of her coming into her womanhood the way she wants to and the way she defines it. I think that's really really cool stuff. Um, and it, so it's uh, what's Lisa Simpson's name? Oh, Yardley Smith. Yardley Smith. When she gets her period, and they're just like, "That's awesome." <laughs> like, yeah, I, I love that so much. <laughs> and Christian Slater's just like, "Oh God, why?" <laughs> But she's the Billy Jean's the coolest one in the car at that point, and the coolest one in the whole movie at that point. So she's like, "That's beautiful." I was like, "This is this is the movie. This is what we need today." Like, I, it's so good. Yeah, I I wish it got more play and got more recognition, um, because I really think, I mean, it's this sounds stupid. We we should have found a female to guest with us on this podcast because it's three white guys talking about like yeah it's a female empowerment movie and i mean maybe we're off base i don't know but 
Like I've got <laughs> so many damn nieces that I lose count of them. And like, I won't, I would want to force them to sit down and watch this movie and be like, this is like, you know, you don't take this shit off people, period. I don't care, you know, what you have to do. You do not take this crap off of people, you know. I um, I actually went through the reviews on Letterboxd, as I, as I usually do when I watch anything. And there's a, a strong female presence saying this is like the feminist movie of my life. <laughs> like, like the, there is a, there's an undercurrent of people seeing this movie and getting it and speaking up but it specifically in the female reviewers on letterbox there's a lot of that and so i feel like while we can't be that voice um i do think that there are those voices out there saying more strongly defined positive statements about the film so it makes me feel a little less off base or like a man sitting in his basement talking about billy jean <laughs> good <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah I could get Casey to watch it, but she'll just, the problem is you take it at face value and you're not going to watch it and she won't watch it because at face value, it looks stupid. Well, <laughs> unfortunately, like it is one of those movies, like a lot of movies that we love that I think like it, you, it's, it's great if somebody can show it to you, but it will always be better if you find it. Yeah, gotta love movie gallery, man. Um, and you know, it, the thing that brought me to the movie may have been Helen Slater and like her short hair and whatever, but like that's not the thing that ultimately I still adore about this movie. <laughs> what, <laughs> what probably brought us to this movie was our uncle and our dad loving Helen Slater and her short hair. <laughs> Our uncle, whose name is Bink. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's pretty good. Um, I also thought it was fun to watch a Christian Slater movie with you guys just because of the uh, Mr. Robot connection. Because you're automatically yeah, the love, people podcast. We love so, Christian We've sort of lovingly given him some crap about... It's, at one point in his career, he was just like Christian Slater slash... <laughs> yeah, that and... Like Christian Slater slash like the young version of Jack Nicholson because he couldn't really seem to break out of that. Yeah. And yes, he's cheesy and goofy in this, but he is doing something in this movie. Like he's not just being, you know, this, you know, sort of too cool for everybody kid a la like Robin Hood or something. Where it's just like, why the hell are you in this? <laughs> I yeah. I always wonder why he's in that movie. And, and why, why, why they're brothers? Uh, why he speaks like he's from Brooklyn? Um, uh, I, it makes no sense. Um, I do love that movie for Alan Rickman, though. So. Do you know the first Christian Slater movie I probably ever saw and loved? Gleaming the cube. What? Gleaming the cube. Oh my no. god! No, never seen that. that I can't. I can't list. hear you guys. You're both talking at the same time. Sorry. Which, Sorry. Which one? Go ahead. Gleaming the cube. I don't know what that is. Yeah, no, I've never seen that. Um, no, Broken Arrow. That was the first movie I saw. I never loved Christian Slater. Oh, wow. That's but, like that was like Christian Slater. That was my first um, R-rated movie in a theater. Wow, Pump sorry. up the volume? Nope, never seen it. 
Oh, wow. oh man, that's good. The pump up the volume is pretty good. Oh, that's rebellious Christian Slater. You know, like I'm not gonna take. That's the male version of Billie Jean, actually. Yeah, like little he plays her in in pump up the volume. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean. It is more like traditional teenage kind of rebellion and less like, um, yeah, you don't like you don't have to be molested. That That's nobody's right to molest you. So, yeah, fight. Is back. that what pump up the volume is about? No, no, no. That's oh, what okay. Gene is about. <laughs> OK, no, I got that part. Anyway, sorry. Pump up the volume is more about like censorship. Yeah. Okay. So, he starts his own like pirate radio station. It's I like hackers you. for radio. <laughs> Fair enough. That's probably a more accurate description. So uh, it is when you watch pump up the volume, you immediately want to go buy like a a bunch of setup equipment and start your own. Well, we did that, didn't we? We started our own podcast. <laughs> well, I guess I should take it back and say I did see Christian. I did see the Wizard when I was little, so I saw him in that. But I didn't know. I didn't pay attention to him. So I guess the first time I ever noticed Christian Slater was Broken Arrow. I mean, I feel like he's barely in The Wizard, but it's been a long time since I saw it. He's a voice really? in Fern Gully, so I guess I saw that too. Nineteen ninety six. The my, main voice in Fern Gully, I think. My first R rated movie. I was nine years in a theater. I was nine years old. Nineteen ninety six. No, he's not the main voice. He's like a fairy or something in Fern Gully. Most of, most everybody is in the movie. <laughs> it's full of fairies. Um, <laughs> That was terrible. <laughs> but then Samantha Mathis, holy crap, the lady fairy, the cool one, is the lady from Broken Arrow. So Christian Slater and the lady from Broken Arrow, Samantha Mathis, they were both, oh, they, that's awesome. You have no idea what this did to my whole childhood perceptions of that relationship. Oh, man, good for them. She was also the lady from Super Mario Brothers, if you'll remember. Yeah, whatever <laughs> happened to her? I don't know, but she was great. I loved her when I was little. I had like a massive, massive crush on her. Me too. But yeah, she still works, it looks like. Looks like she was in Buried, the Ryan Reynolds movie. I guess she's probably on the phone or something. I never saw that movie, so I don't know how that it ends. That was a good movie. I heard it was. Never saw it. I really liked it. Um, she did a lot of movies, but 46 movies over time. Yeah. Anyway. Oh. Um, I digress. But it it makes me happy that you like this movie so much. It makes me happy that anybody likes this movie because, like I said, most people you encounter just shit on it, and that that just it breaks my heart. I'm like, well, you don't you don't get it then. So you guys know, like, I'm obsessed with like screen prints and like this world of people who make these sort of revisionist artistic movie posters, mostly about movies that are quote unquote classics or. No, but they're but like I have only so I watched this movie. We're recording Monday night. I watched this Saturday morning. Um, so it's been a couple of days, and all I have thought is, what the hell is wrong with you, Mondo, and all these other companies? Where are my Billie Jean posters? Because there need to be Billie Jean posters. I actually so this is 
True story. Um, I'm currently uh, reading the comic book Domino, written by Gail Simone. Um, but I really love the guy who does the artwork on it a lot. He's a great Twitter presence and um, just uh, seems like a nice guy. And so I reached out to him today on via email through his website um, to see if he was taking commissions because my plan had been to ask him to do a Domino for me, but then also a Billy Jean because I think his style would really lend itself to Billy Jean um, and he's not currently taking commissions but he responded to me and he was very nice but that's how much I was like where the hell is my Billy Jean poster <laughs> and there is not one so I'll get someone to do something cool for me and then it got it couldn't happen because he's too busy um, but yeah and you like, probably could have sold that thing for a fortune dude. no nah, I would have framed that shit and put it on my wall because he's this amazing <laughs> movie And but like I just think that this is a total miss I don't understand how this movie has not been re uh what's the word i'm looking for um they i don't know why haven't people not rediscovered it and said this is a classic we got it wrong that happens all the time what's is it because it's feminist and people suck <laughs> i don't understand probably yeah I, I mean i hate to be that guy like say it like that but i really think so like it, it just it strikes that chord that you know, makes people not either not want to address the, you know, their own, you know, feminism or whatever, or makes them realize that, uh, wait, I'm a horrible person because I'm like, the guy who broke the bike. I'm not the guy riding yeah, the bike. Right. You know, and <laughs> so it gets kind of like, oh, it's, it's shit. It's a crap movie. Like, no, I mean, like you said, it's earnest and, there's a lot of it that's goofy. Like there's a lot of stuff in the movie that I'm just like, Oh God, that did not age well, but that doesn't mean it's not relevant. And that the meaning of the movie isn't still there just because a movie made in the eighties. Oh God, it didn't age well. Big surprise. You know? Well, it's like, it's like saying, and now I'm not comparing this because it's not, I don't think it's, that's kind of work of art, but like, it's like saying that like a tale of two cities didn't age well. Like the references are like really old. I don't really get what that kind of food is they're talking about because it was so old. That's bullshit. <laughs> I hate that kind. Of, but I think I think you're right. But it like yeah, sure it doesn't age well in terms of like what we get. But like kids are kids are kids, and we've always it's always the same. It's just different generational things. And like I, I just I hate that. I hate that this is. This is a movie that's flown under my radar so long. I'm already like thinking about when Ezra's going to watch it the first time. And I'm telling you right now, he's going to see this before he sees the Goonies. It's happening. I've already decided as his parent. This is like, this will be the first of those movies that I show him. I'm so excited to do it. So, uh, did I know Katie watched St. Elmo's Fire with you. Did she watch this with you? No, she had to work. And I'm like, I'm honestly disappointed that I didn't watch it with her. And I have a feeling that at some point this year we'll probably watch it together. Because I would, I want her to see it. And I've already talked to her. like, I wish you had watched it with me. So, um, so no, she didn't because she was working. But uh, the plan is to rectify that at some point this year. Cool. Yeah, we'll get, let us know when that happens. I'll would be interested in knowing her opinion it, since it you two kind of lined up together on saying almost fire um now now if i say the song from billy jean which we've already discussed but at some future point if i mentioned the song from billy jean you wouldn't go what song 
Correct. Right. Correct. Okay. Correct. Because this is a much better movie with much better music. <laughs> um, I was telling Logan about the Blu-ray. Um, it has a commentary from Yardley Smith and Helen Slater. I would listen the, to the shit <laughs> out of that. I mean, I told Logan, I was like, I have to get this Blu-ray, dude, because I have to listen to this. Yeah, I'm actually ordering it from Amazon. So, um, I and I borrow don't it. Let me borrow it, when you get done. I don't think it was that long ago that they did it. So they're, they're, you know, aged pretty well when they're doing this commentary. So I would really love to hear their thoughts on this movie. I mean, it is a whopping like seven bucks on Amazon. And I would say oh. absolutely positively worth every single penny of that seven dollars. Uh, then I'm definitely. It's like that time I bought like Once Upon a Time in America for five dollars. <laughs> it's just, it's amazing the value packed in that seven dollars. Yeah, that's kind of ridiculous. You got I, that for five bucks? It still is. It's a five dollar uh, Blu-ray at uh, at Best Buy. Still oh, is. Oh. Yep. Oh. Um, and it's like the restoration. It's gross how cheap it is. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah, I think I paid like twenty five bucks for my copy. The the movie Heat that's on Blu Ray, the copies that float around now that are five dollars everywhere, are the restored Heat that Michael Mann went back to the original negatives when he actually shot on film and cleaned it up, and it looks like it's just so beautiful, and it's a fucking five dollar Blu Ray. It's disgusting. Damn, I want to get that now too. <laughs> so but Best Buy keeps them in stock usually, and then Walmart will keep them both as well um, because they're sort I love of Heat. I guess my theory is they just made enough money that it's just basically every DVD they sell, they, they're printing money. And so it's not that big of a deal, but I don't know. $5. It's mm-hmm. ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But anyway, now I love this. I'm very happy with this. This to me, genuinely, I am, I'm looking for the next positive response from this podcast um, that that comes anywhere close to this. I'm, I feel like I'm glad that I agreed to this project if for if anything else or for nothing else that I got to watch The Legend of Billie Jean for the first time and honestly break all of my expectations about what it was about, what it was like, um, and, and how it was going to make me feel. Um, and I, I just a uh, big fan um looking forward to watching it with uh with katie at some point this year um and in the future showing it to ezra my now three and a half year old son uh when it's his time to uh to start watching some movies at home uh that aren't uh, pixar related because um god almighty how many times can i watch wally <laughs> i mean it is uh it is a good movie to to just show and be like look be the ally don't don't be the asshole just no, so, and asshole. I genuinely think you can show this to a little boy and you go, who did you think the good guys were? Because there's no question. You don't watch that. There's no room for interpretation, which is something I do like about the movie. Um, it, it's going to be the the brother and, and in terms of the guys, ask him who the good guys were, the good men were in the movie. There's the brother and then there's the and there's the cop. And then, you know, you can you can make those decisions and then you go, why? And you could have that conversation, and and if and and then if he leaned because he's so young and says that because they helped like the pretty lady, right? You can say, yeah, but if she, but like is you can address the pretty part too and say, yeah, that she is very pretty, but is that important to whether or not they were good? And there's so much you can do to show a little boy, hey, it's not it, it, 
there's here's the good way to be. Here's the reasons why. It, it, there's it, there's a roadmap of just being a good dude in this movie. Not because the dudes are the heroes, because they're not at all. But they react appropriately. Christian Slater is as a as a decent brother, and there are some decent people in this movie who treat her correctly. And I I, I just think that this is such an easy movie to teach a kid a lesson, but have a fucking ball while you do it. Yeah. This is also the kind of stuff I obsess about because I don't want my kid to turn out to be a trash bag. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to de- Ryan picked this one, which I mean is great, but uh, I would I, I would have bet money before going into this that like I'm a much bigger fan of this movie than Ryan is. But it sounds like we're about on the same level. Um, of I this guess movie? We've, yeah, I guess we just a bigger fan of Saint Elmo's Fire than me. Well, but that's this movie. No, <laughs> I might no be. Way. There might only be two. The might only be one person who's a bigger fan of Saint Elmo's Fire than me, and that's Joel Schumacher. <laughs> so, Rob Lowe probably likes would, it. Yeah, yeah, Rob Lowe. Um, he literally <laughs> loves it. <laughs> Look how young I was with my earrings and te- and he feathered still hair. Looks like that. Yeah, but he, the feathered hair. but he's the kind of guy who looks and he can see the difference, and that's what makes him terrible. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, no, I don't think we've ever discussed this movie, Ryan. Like, I know we've seen it together, but I don't think we've ever discussed it. So no. I, I would have been like, oh, yeah, it's a movie he likes. But like, I've I've loved this movie for the longest time. So does Helen Slater ever show up in the Supergirl TV show? Yes. Why'd you say it so like, yes, asshole? Of course she does. <laughs> I don't know. That's a genuine question. They put Dean Kane in it. Of course they put Helen Slater in it. I was yeah, um, sure. I have, I've only watched season one, so I'm, I'm, it gives me more reason to continue on with the show. I think she's a pretty big, well, not pretty big part, but a relatively big part of the show. I thought she was in season one. Well, that's the thing. I, didn't, I don't have any point of reference for her until now, so I don't know. Is she like their mom? Yes. Oh, then yeah, I've seen her. Yeah. I just don't, I, all I remember is her mom. Now I'm going to be looking out for like, oh, there's Helen Slater. There's Billy Jean. Maybe I just have that like infatuation thing where she doesn't age to me. Well, she didn't mean anything to me until Saturday. <laughs> like, 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 Supergirl's a movie I saw when I was a kid. Like I said, like I was a very little kid. And these other movies she was in, I don't. I don't know. And so I don't have any point of reference for her really until now. And so now I see the box of Supergirl. I'm like, oh, yeah, that is the same uh, person. But I don't like remember that movie in some big way. So like now she means something in terms of like cultural relevance. And I'm like, okay, it's not just a, a, a fine actress who plays Supergirl's mom. Now it's like, holy shit, it's Billie Jean. So, So it's very different now. Billy Jean might be the only relevant movie. Sorry. No, I was going to say that's usually my reaction when she shows up on something is, holy shit, it's Billy Jean. Because that's what I think of her as. Not even as Supergirl, which I believe predates Billy Jean. Supergirl was, I think, her first film. No, I think. Are you sure? Well, maybe they went to go see. I don't know. I read something where they all went to see it. Maybe they went to see it while they were filming Billy Jean. Yeah, Supergirl was 84, Billie Jean was 85. So, yeah. 
and then Ruthless People, which is stupid but funny, and Secret of My Success. So, yeah, uh, yeah I was gonna say this might be the only relevant movie she's ever done because she just kind of always played a pretty blonde. I mean, in most of the stuff I've seen her in, uh, she's also the voice of Talia Al Ghul from Batman the Animated Series. Are you shitting me? No. Oh my god, I'm just in love with this woman. <laughs> you can't have her, she's mine. That's fair. Um, she's nobody. She, she's she's nobody. She's, she's right. nobody. She's her own you're person, right. you asshole. You're right, you're absolutely right. So, um, I but, saw yeah. her first, you fit the crater. Have you ever seen Secret of My Success? Uh, when I was a lot younger, I watched it like on TV with my mom, kind of thing. Like, okay, like, I, 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 I love her in that movie. I, it's a stupid movie, but I love her in it. I'm pretty sure I was probably having one of my epic action figure wars. Um, like, <laughs> I read Marvel versus DC and was like, "Well, I could do better," and did better with my action figures as my mom watched the movie. Yeah. Uh, um. Anyway, uh, I, I don't know. Should we do it like a complete 180? For what's next? Well, I, I assume I know what's next, but I'm curious to see what you guys pick. So that's one thing, listeners. If you if you this is your first episode somehow because you love Billy Jean, welcome. We do too. Um, they pick at random. I don't know what they're going to pick for my next movie, um, and so. But I have a theory this time that you're going to pick Willow because there's this new restoration out. I'm good with that theory that I have. That's just my theory. What are you guys going to tell me to watch? <laughs> I don't want to say Willow because I need to get that new restoration. Yeah, that would have that would definitely be a complete uh, one eighty from the Legend of Billie Jean, and also since we know it's available, also easy to obtain. <laughs> yeah, it's it's also it's rentable, so you don't have to just buy the Blu-ray, which is which is kind of not pricey. It's it's a decent price for a brand new Blu-ray restoration, but it's like twenty bucks. It's not like a it's not a Once Upon a Time in America five dollar release, um, and so but you can rent it. The rentals now on all the streaming services are all the new uh, the new copy of the movie. Oh, uh, that that's and so it'll be what like an eight buck rental or seven bucks. No, or... I think it's like two ninety nine. It's like they they do like the old movie pricing on it because it's not a oh, new release. Sweet. Even better. So, I, I, then, fine. That, let's go with that. I have no problems with going with Willow. So, except you're probably going to trump us with your... <laughs> My veto? Yeah. You you think so little of me. I'm going to get to you on that veto when you've given up on the idea that I could ever veto. So, no. no, no I just I've... figured Willow would be the one that you're like, nope, I'm not watching Willow this week. <laughs> just this is... a mess with us. <laughs> Willow's, yep. Willow's the one movie I'm like looking forward to watching in advance. The rest of them are like, oh, we'll see. <laughs> Willow's the one that I'm that I'm into seeing. Um, and honestly, if I watch two more, uh, this is how social justice warrior I am these days. But if I watch two more Ron Howard movies, I will have watched more Ron Howard movies than Woody Allen. So I'm slowly bumping Woody Allen off my most watched list. Um, and so this would be one. And then I'm going to watch Far and Away um, as a double feature because then I'll get um, – Nicole Kidman above Johnny Depp get that fucker off my list too and so like this just helps me so I'm very into watching Willow okay Willow it is then so I have to so can I throw a a surprise audible and see what you guys think sure want to record next week sure oh I think we delayed I've been sick for like the whole month of January and that's on me and so I just wanted like this kind of 
give people another episode if you guys are up for doing it next week. Yeah. Sweet. Plus, it'll make me watch Willow a little bit faster. <laughs> I'm ready to see it. I genuinely am. This is the. This is probably the only one, at least as of right now, that I can foresee from the ones I remember you guys bringing up that I'm genuinely excited to watch next. Uh, not even because I think I'm going to love it, just because I'm I'm looking forward to finally seeing Willow. Um. So. Uh, so no, I'm I'm excited to watch it. I can't wait. Very uh. cool. Well, guys, so this is this is it. Any last thoughts on uh, the Legend of Billie Jean? Uh, your enthusiasm pretty much covers everything. So. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I was I was like prepared. Well, you threw me off uh, when you said this is going to be a much better conversation. So I was like, well, at least he enjoyed the movie. But I was fully prepared to like go to war <laughs> on like. <laughs> Why this is still like a great movie, relevant, everything. Yeah, I was like coin flip. Like, okay, either he's got it's so bad that he's got a whole lot to say about it, or he loved it that much that he has a whole lot to say about it. That's my favorite part. I'm going to do that to you guys pretty much throughout this whole process (laughs) is vaguely respond so you don't know what to expect going into it. Um, I, I don't know what we'll do if you hate Willow. Well, it can't be any worse than the St. Elmo's Fire moment oh for God. your heart. You have to let me know about St. Joan, too, because when you watch it, I really want to know what you think about I, it. I think I'll probably watch it in the next few weeks, so I, I will let you know for sure. Um, but this Brian, time... In- Brian, mm-hmm. you should go watch uh, The Passion of Joan of Arc. You cool. should. But it, I looked... I, but Because I, I watched St. Joan, I was like, there's got to be a better... I've seen The Messenger. It's like, there has to be a better movie. And... That one's like, I have to read subtitles, right? No, yeah. it's a silent film. But it's oh, got it's like, the, it's just got like the cards. Well, yeah, it's got like the cards. Yeah. Oh, okay. And it, if I remember correctly, it's not that long, right? Yeah, it's not long. It's super mm-hmm. like intense. Yeah. Like it's and, very, very dramatic silent film kind of stuff. And if you want to see it like in an even creepier format, find the version on YouTube that's available for free. That does not have any music with it. No, it, don't do that. Do music because it's so. Unless you're like in tune with how silent film does, I don't agree with that. Watch, <laughs> just watch it with music. Otherwise, it's really a bizarre. You'll you'll tap out. I'd tap out if I wasn't like if I didn't watch a bunch of silent movies. I would super tap out quickly with no music. There, okay. there was one thing since we started talking about Joan of Arc. Did y'all think it was too much with the burning of her statue and the? No. Loved it. Loved it. Like, pumped my fist. Loved it. Yeah, I was kind of 50-50 on it. I was like, I love it, but I love it from when I loved it before. Now I don't love it as, if you can get my meaning. Before, I didn't realize that it was a Joan of Arc thing. Part of the appeal of this movie to me is how correctly it gets its audience. Like, the audience for this movie, the, the intended audience, is not me today. Right. It's me 20 years ago and 20 years ago. That's the exact thing. I knew enough about Joan of Arc that that would be like, boom, like I a a bomb in my head of like, wow, it's like ending with this. But she's okay. They didn't get her. They got the idea that that they thought of her like I got like I loved how on the nose it was for the intended audience. Today, I'm like, yeah, it's really super on the nose and I totally get it. But that's not the point. And and that's like like Ezra 
I, again, I just go back to like when he's like nine and I'm showing him this movie and we talk about Joan of Arc and he gets all that stuff. He, this is a kind of this is a gateway movie to movies. And and I love that about it. So I really like that. <laughs> I mean, this movie might up. be responsible for, for what I went on to learn about Joan of Arc because I, I never really learned anything about her in school. And look at uh, you, you went off and watched movie, Saint I... Joan, and like, like you, you just watched Saint Joan, <laughs> like it's crazy. Um, I think it's funny that you bring up the burning of her statue, but not the cutting of her hair. Well, I think. Um, Sorry. No, go ahead. No, no, no. It's your experience. You go. I. That was more. Not new to me as much as the Joan of Arc thing was newer the, the, to me. The cutting of the hair, like, is, like, that's her directly making herself Joan of Arc. You know what I mean? Well, but see, that was, e- that was easily understood when I was 13 years old. Like, yeah, I get it. So, like, when, because what I knew of Joan going of Arc. through stuff, they changed their hair. Well, no, but what I knew of Joan of Arc was she was a, a woman that pretended to be a boy, and then she was crazy, and they burned her. That's about what I knew of Joan of Arc at... 13 or 14 years old. So I got that she cut her hair to be rebellious and and say, I'm not going to fit into your stereo. I don't know. The The whole statue thing was kind of new to me when I rewatched it. Okay, I, I got you. I got you. I, I like when Yardley Smith cuts her hair in the police station. That's She's such a so figure. freaking good. <laughs> She, when she gets slapped, like she really got slapped. Like, the lady didn't know that she wasn't supposed to really slap her. If It's on IMDb stuff. But she really, that her mom or whatever, slapped yeah. her for real. <laughs> like, wow, that, that must suck. <laughs> so, there's, there's this movie, I mean, this movie, like, people haven't heard about it. There's, there's this little movie that won a bunch of Oscars a few years ago called Million Dollar Baby. But there's this whole, like, thing with Helen... And not Helen. Shoot, what the hell? The hell's her name? The Hillary Swank with Hillary Swank's family, where they're like super redneck and trashy. And there's this whole thing. Like, there's a couple of scenes about it. And I'm like, in 30 seconds, Billy Jean did what Clint Eastwood couldn't do in like eight minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck That's you, Clint fantastic. Eastwood. This movie's better than you. <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, if you got a wild hair, you should look up the other movies this guy directed. Because he only directed like six movies. And most of them are pretty good, except for his last film. <laughs> Let's see. What's his last film? Uh, it's, it's just like Bingo or some stupid crap like that. It's, it's about some stupid dog. Bingo. I was about to say, is it about a dog? Yeah, yeah, it's about a dog. That sounds okay. familiar. Like I feel like I saw that movie. Yeah. You probably did. But yeah, Matthew Robbins, yeah, he directed Mimic, Dragon Slayer, Batteries Not Included. Batteries Not Included. Yeah. 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 He was Love that. pretty he was a pretty solid director. And then somewhere oh Corvette Summer. Uh he directed that. Mark Hamill. Yeah. I've like, never uh, seen it. Like that's that's his like coming out party. <laughs> so um yeah, but he he directed Bingo in 1991. That was his last feature film. I'm positive I've writing, seen Bingo. Though. So. Oh, I'm the screenplay for Pinocchio. Yeah, nobody wants to see that. It weirds me out what they're doing <laughs> with these old movies. 
He, he rode Sugarland Express. Holy crap. Yeah, he worked with uh, Spielberg for a little while. Close Encounters? He's got a writing credit on Close Encounters? Mm. Holy crap. Do you guys know how much I love Close Encounters? It's a lot. It, it's a great movie. So. All right, uh, so we're doing. So what are we doing next? We're doing Willow next? Is that Willow. the deal? Yeah, Willow. So I've decided to be like, I'm going to have a reaction at the end of each one of these. I just want to say, I loved it. That's my reaction this time. <laughs> I'm super happy that you guys picked this. I'm really shocked at how much I liked it because I didn't expect much. And I had a totally different mind's eye image of what this movie was going to be like. Um, literally knowing nothing about it except for the cover. Um, and so I, like, I'm so incredibly pleasantly surprised. I feel like I've found a new favorite movie in my list of favorite movies. And that's not something – that's actually something – just a few days prior to watching this, they had this thought of like, man, like it's been a while since I've seen like a new favorite movie. And that's kind of sad because there's some really good movies in 2018. But like, where's my like most recent new favorite movie? And then I watched this. So thank you for bringing this movie into my life. That makes me happy. So yeah, go download the song too and listen to it because I listen to it all the time. I, will, I added it to my songs on uh, Spotify, so when I play shuffle through my songs, it'll pop up. Yeah, Pat Benatar's an idiot. The song's amazing, and so is the movie. Um, and then Willow's next time. We're going to be back in about a week or so uh, for that. And uh, I am I am pumped. Slogan, where can people find you on the internet? Um, at uh, xwingfiles.com, where all our podcasts are, because I don't really tweet at all, ever, so... Ryan, do you do tweet sometimes. ever? Yeah, Ryan's on Twitter all the time. I get on there and I tweet sometimes, and sometimes I delete them immediately because I feel like a moron. <laughs> tag me, like, I don't, tag me I don't in all of your fight. tweets now. I Here's see the thing. All of them. The president of the United States says the dumbest shit possible and Hamburger. does not delete it. Hamburger. <laughs> um so uh, I'm Spencer. You can find me on Twitter at Film Dispenser. Um, and I'm also on this uh, social media app called Letterboxd. So if you watch a ton of movies, you probably already know about Letterboxd anyway. But if you watch a ton of movies, you want a, a good, nice, easy way to log what you watch. Uh, I'm just uh, going. It's, it's the best. I'm obsessed with it. I like it better than Facebook and Twitter. Um, and uh, anyway, but I'm on there. So you can always see what crazy stuff I'm watching and what, you know, sort of typically. I watched the Firefest documentary. Like, the, the, one? the Netflix one. Was it um, good? It's it's a fascinating story, and there's a great thing in the middle of it where they talk about all the memes that were created at the expense of the rich people who got screwed over, <laughs> and that's the part of the audience I fall into. And I'm like, ha ha, you morons! Why would you pay so much and then get, you deserve this? And that's kind of how I felt. So I I really enjoyed. I was like a character from Seinfeld watching the, somebody get mugged and not helping them. That, that's what I was <laughs> this girl at work watched both of them and told me about how it made her feel so bad for those people and i'm like yeah but they have that kind of money i i don't i cannot feel bad for them i'm sure there's a few that went like to extremes to try to do this but all of those rich assholes i don't feel bad for they wasted their dad's money i'm so sorry <laughs> yeah no no you're right and so uh, anyway but follow me on letterbox it's all at film dispenser i'm out there in the world i don't tweet a ton anymore i retweet stuff and get political but at this point if you made it this far you'll be okay with it. Um, 
But yeah, and are we on iTunes? We're on iTunes, right? Yep. Give us a review on iTunes, because seriously, I am jazzed up about this podcast, and I'm actually going to share this podcast as the first podcast I've shared in like over a year on social media when it comes out, because I think people should find this movie. We should like bring it back. Bring Billie Jean back, because it's, it's annoying as shit to me that people have not made me watch this movie prior to this. So guys, let's be those people. Let's make I'm, people watch Billie Jean. I'm probably raising hand about. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Review us. We'll send you a Blu-ray. Not... We'll send you a Blu-ray. I love it. Of the movie. Of the movie. All right. All right. Well, I guess we'll see you guys next week. Bye, everybody. Say bye, Ryan. Oh, bye.